So um, tomorrow's the start of Lent, so I've got quite a nice uh, reflection to, to do tonight, I suppose. I've just been thinking about it quite a lot and just quite enjoyed reflecting on what Lent really means um, to us. And so just thought that we might kind of have a think about that tonight, if that's all right. Um, so I'm going to start off by reading literally just two verses. I think most of us will know the story of um, Jesus in the wilderness, so I, I'm just going to read a couple of verses And then we'll kind of think about what they might mean for us over the next 40 days. Uh, So Mark 1, at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by the enemy. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. So I just wanted to read that just to kind of focus our minds onto what we're thinking about, that Jesus was in the wilderness for for 40 days and 40 nights, um, and uh, just kind of, yeah, thinking about what that means for us, I guess. Um, so Lent kind of encourage us, it encourages us to um, sort of take a moment, step out of our kind of tired routines and, and just pause. It's a bit of a turning circle, an opportunity to kind of look back, look ahead, Put down, pick up, reevaluate, take stock, uh, change direction and carry on potentially. Uh, change direction potentially and carry on. So it's traditionally the time in the church calendar linked to fasting, um, denial of ourselves, kind of self-sacrifice, the time to like look at our lives, examine our lives for anything that's unhelpful, actions, thought patterns, habits that are self-destructive. Um, or they might not be positive for us or for those around us. But it's not such a desirable thought, is it? Kind of denying ourselves, um, getting rid of things in our lives that might be comforting, they might be indulgent, they might be enjoyable. In my childhood, I used to go to quite a traditional church, one that focused on the fasting side of Lent completely. Self-denial, kind of self-sacrifice. But it didn't really focus on any other aspect. It wasn't quite inspiring to say the least in terms of um, how we face Lent. Um, So I sort of missed the opportunity held in the pruning, uh, in the removing the things that we hide in. Um, in, I missed the kind of hope, the new beginnings, the opportunity to bless other people with the newly created space in our lives and learn to live more in step with Jesus. So Lent reminds us of the new beginnings we have in Christ, and that's the basis of our fasting. That's the start of the story. We're reminded of the sacrifice he made for us. We ponder the cross, the ultimate symbol of his sacrifice for our freedom. The cross is a reminder of um, God's faithfulness to us, the once-for-all act that has put an end to death and gives us our freedom and our hope. We ponder the cross and we can say, this is not the end. We prepare ourselves for Easter, for a time when we remember that our beginning is in Christ's death and resurrection. So to reframe our picture of Lent, I thought we might think about what a couple of elements in the story mean. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. Now, 40 in the Bible is thought to signify new life, new birth, like a new generation of man. In my job as a midwife, I see the number all the time because a gestation of a pregnancy is 40 weeks. A time to look forward, to kind of prepare for new birth, often a period of testing, trial and preparation before the new baby is born. As a society, we tend to find it difficult to wait. We want immediacy, we want instant gratification. But the impact of the birth of a premature baby 
shows us how valuable the waiting time is. And I was just reflecting on this and, and thinking about all the premature babies that I've met and um, had the joy to, to sometimes look after. And they are just gorgeous, but they're just born too early. They weren't wait. They didn't wait for long enough for for all sorts of different reasons. Um, and there are a number of other examples of the number forty in the Bible: Moses on Mount Sinai, Noah's flood, Jonah warning Nineveh of their destruction for forty days, Jesus appearing to the disciples for forty days after his resurrection. All waiting times before something new was birthed, a new hope, a new. Um, rejoicing moment and even in Isaiah it talks about the promise of God doing a new thing see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people my chosen people the people I formed for myself and that they may proclaim my praise So during Lent, we see that trial period, the preparation for the new life and for the glory of Easter. And there are times in the waiting season when everything feels a bit lost, um, all might look lost. We forget to focus on the hope, uh, or we don't even know the hope is coming sometimes. We have to sit in the time of waiting before the hope, before that joy is is realised. We focus on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, don't we, so much in the Easter story, But let's not forget about the waiting of Easter Saturday, the day when all looked lost. There is hope of Easter Sunday ahead, but it might not be as quickly as we think or as quickly as we'd like. Uh, And Jesus spent his waiting time in this, um, he spent his waiting time in the wilderness. This 40 days was spent in the wilderness. Was it quite a spiritually dry place? quite silent with not much nourishment or water to keep him going. That tends to be our assumption. The Greek word for wilderness in the New Testament is, you just have to bear with me for a minute, just a little geeky minute, but it just is really, I I felt it was really important to share this bit. Um, So the Greek word for wilderness in the New Testament is eremos, and it's similar to our meaning of the word wilderness. So like desert, desolation, isolation, dryness, little nourishment. But the Hebrew word for wilderness is a bit different. Hebraic words have much more um, kind of tangible meaning to them than modern languages. So the root of the word wilderness, which is midbar in Hebrew, means to speak, to order, to arrange words, to create an environment of balance, of order and of harmony. And I just love that translation, I really do. And I love that thought that perhaps the wilderness is a bit more than, than our interpretation of it. So um, it's the environment, the place where God speaks, where he reorders our lives, our environments, where he brings us balance, order, harmony. The wilderness brings places of encounter with God. How exciting is that? That's just so wonderful. That's the Bible that Jesus had. That's the meaning of the wilderness that he knew by taking us into the wilderness as he did with Jesus God takes us in to encounter his perfect balance for our lives, however painful it might be. And it might feel so painful, that waiting time. But he is taking us in there to encounter him and to create this perfect balance in our lives. He whispers tenderly to us when we sit with him in the wilderness. In Genesis 16, we see Hagar entering the wilderness. She was sent there by Sarai to die. 
She's honoured in her time there. She's the first person to be allowed to name God, which was a huge thing um, in kind of Jewish times. God says to her, I see you. Even though she had been sent to the wilderness to die, I see you, I promise that I have a future for you. Even though you have been sent into the wilderness to die, he sees her for who she is and brought her back to life. It prevented her death, meeting him there. So let's come back to life by spending some time in the wilderness over Lent. It would be brilliant um, to take the time out for for him. Uh, The waiting is kind of accompanied with solitude often and silence. That's the sort of encounter that I I, I think God wants with us. That's what happens when we sit in silence with him. He inhabits the space we carve out for him. He speaks through that space, through that solitude, through the silence. He sees us for who we really are and loves us unconditionally. In Isaiah 35, we have another promise that the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. There's fruitfulness and life coming out of the desert. The desert and parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. So how do we sit in the wilderness? How can we encounter God this way? Throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus showing us how to be in a relationship with God. He regularly withdrew to hidden places to pray. His times of prayer guided him. He once returned from prayer and announced it was time to move to another city. Another time of prayer resulted in the selection of the disciples. He was led by his father's unseen hand. He listened with the ear of his heart. He wasn't distracted. He wasn't busy. He was fully present. And and I think just um, one of the greatest needs in our busy 24-7 world is to learn how to withdraw and to connect, reconnect with God. Jesus' life is, is lived in a rhythm of full engagement with God's world, alternating by withdrawing to deserted places to pray. Jesus prays in the moments of great crises in his life, before great miracles, before his arrest, before his trial. But those prayers grow out of his daily prayer and conversation with his Father in heaven. So let's model Jesus and make space in our lives for that relationship. Carve out the time. Jesus shows us how that should happen. And the space in our life created by us getting rid of the things. In Lent, we might hopefully be getting rid of the things that might get in the way of that, making that space. Um, because we're, so, we're just too busy often. We're just too busy. Um, but the, the things that might get in the way, the bad habits, the self-indulgent moments, time spent on our phones, just anything that might distract us from our relationship with God, the, that space that we create prepares our hearts. Um, Before the farmer sows the seed, he works the land. He removes the rocks. He pulls out the stumps. And he knows that the seed grows better if the land is prepared. Is Is there anything that you use to keep yourself busy, to avoid the silence, to avoid the solitude? I think even in our times of times with God, if we manage to make space for them, they're often active, you know, reading, doing, listing our concerns and needs to him all of which are fantastic. But I think we also need to make the space to be silent and to listen to him. And 
it might not be comfortable to begin with. It really won't be. There's so little silence in our lives. We fill every moment with noise, with busyness. Um, there's so, so little silence, but we have to create it, to sit in it, however difficult that might feel, however uncomfortable that might feel, until we get used to it, I guess. Um, let him give you the comfort and guide you in that time and prepare your heart for Easter so as well as looking at things that need to end, like what keeps us busy, the trivial things we waste time on, we might consider something new, a spiritual discipline, a new habit, and like a new act of kindness to bless other people around you. So there are a few ways I was just thinking about kind of how, the ways that we could do this, the ways that I'm hopefully going to look to do this, um, carving out time in during Lent. So practicing solitude and silence, obviously that's my number one at the moment. Mike suggested it about six months ago. Um, and uh, it, it came on the back of like a few other times of people mentioning it or it coming up in sermons. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a go. It was something really new uh, and it was really uncomfortable to begin with. I have quite a busy life because I've got young children so there's never any silence in my house. You know, if, my, if, if there's silence in my house my daughter fills it with, with some, something that she needs or wants or whatever. Um, so silence is quite rare to me. It's quite cherished. But sitting in silence without doing anything at all, not reading, not doing anything at all was really uncomfortable. And I'm an introvert. Um, I'm sure for extroverts, it's completely exhausting. But it's the model Jesus showed us, withdrawing to hidden places to pray, to be with God, to listen to his whisper for our lives. It's really, I think it's really important for our walk. Um, how can we create that time and space in our lives? Um, the prayer of examine is another habit we could kind of think about starting, looking back over the day, Noting the moments that lifted your spirit, where you encountered God, where you saw him at work in your day. We could start Bible in a Year, um, or there's a, a new app out from the Church of England as well called Lent Pilgrim um, that has a daily reflection for all of the days in Lent. So those are all kind of things that we could take up as habits um, that in that kind of newly created space from whatever we've decided to fast. So Lent's an opportunity, I guess, to build a rhythm of life, good habits that bring us closer to God and prepare us to reflect on Easter, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It's a season to hear the voice of God, ever patient, ever loving, as he calls us back to him, to live in relationship with him, to remind us that he wants us to be in communion with him.